0: I am super excited about bringing on the guests that we have today, and all this happened was because I had a barbecue problem. my barbecue was was dirty and I, I went to buy some tools at Canadian Tire and then I started looking at my barbecue and went well I don't know if I'm really willing to do all the things I needed to do so I so it's it's not how, because you can look on YouTube to find out how you, you know it's it's a lot of times who 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 can I who can help me? So so I reached out to one of our operators who who's who's made our Jamaica trip, one of our top performing rookies this year, Russell App. And I knew that he had worked with this company called Canadian Barbecue Boys. And so so he coached me and, and, and suggested these are the things I needed to do. But ultimately I, I went and said, No, I'm just gonna go hire Canadian Barbecue Boys, which led me to meet Michael Sutton, the founder. Um, and as seen on Dragons Den, um, and they got he got funded, or he he uh, he reached an agreement with Jim Treveling of Boston Pizza. We'll talk about that on the podcast. We'll talk about this young entrepreneur growing from thirty thousand dollars for the business in his first year of university to running a one point two million dollar business uh, cleaning barbecues across you know largely the GTA, and he's he's got a small expansion in Ottawa. Um, and his goal is to franchise across North America. and uh, uh, he's got fifty employees, over eight thousand customers, and really, really amazing, amazing young leader. So, um, I just thought it would be awesome to bring you know this this amazing young leader uh, to our our group of amazing young leaders to hear about, you know how do you create a business? how do you how do you develop yourself as an entrepreneur? okay? Um, and so, So you know what we're up to. It's uh, early November. We're just in the the final stages of our our recruiting. And as we talk about on this podcast, it's always a game of looking for those fantastic people. So we're looking for fantastic people in some markets that we have available before. So please send me an email, cthompson at studentworks.com send somebody who is, who is interested in our program one of our podcasts or send them to our site, studentworks.com. And, um, and again, I would just be really, really uh, grateful for those efforts. So I know you're going to love this podcast. It was an awesome conversation with Michael and uh, have yourself a fantastic day. Michael. Thanks so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So happy to have you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is awesome, and and uh, you know, so so why don't we uh, why don't we start? Obviously, a young entrepreneur here, building and developing a, a really exciting business, and we're going to dig into that. But tell me, who you were, you know, in in high school? Who was who was uh, who was a uh, young Michael Sutton? That's
1: a, that's a good question. I've been asked that in a while, but uh, no, like, I mean, I was just your typical guy. I mean, had a good group of friends, played some sports and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of got peaked in entrepreneurship because my dad had his own business. So I was always okay. kind of back in my mind and wanted to start a business. Um, and so really, I guess in like grade 11, grade 12, I started to kind of lean towards that, had a couple like, you know, summer jobs and got the experience kind of working for people and wasn't really for me. So I kind of knew from like a pretty early age from high school that I eventually wanted to do my own thing. I just wasn't sure really what that was yet. Um, okay. And so that's kind of, you know, university when I kind of figured that out and started okay. my first business. But,
0: awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So. So, yeah. So why don't we just why don't we just dig in that? You know, like one of the biggest things entrepreneurs think about is kind of ideating a new idea. Right. Like, like, you know, again, I, I, uh, I didn't create this business. So for me uh, that, that wasn't an experience I had about, Oh, let's create this student painter industry, or let's go copy someone who's doing something in this industry. But I didn't know there were really anything like what you were doing. So, so tell, tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, just the the whole ideation idea, you know, this, this, the, the creation of the business model, the the idea.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so like I, I crazy how like everyone kind of wants to come up with something completely brand new, their own, you know, new innovation or whatever. But like, I mean, a lot of the times like really great businesses are just stem from looking at industries um, that are maybe underserved or don't have like really strong competition, or maybe the competition isn't doing certain things that maybe you could do better. That's pretty much how we came up with it. I actually got like, my parents got our barbecue cleaned. Um, the guy who came by, you know, didn't do a very good job, charged a lot of money. The experience just wasn't really there. Um, and I started to talk to them about it and like, they couldn't really find anyone else. So the, the options were super, super limited. Um, and like my parents are kind of like the typical, you know, like middle income type consumer. So I'm like, if they'll pay for this service, other people will do. And Oh, no, one's really offering it. So we started kind of from there and started to dig in. And we found that we started calling up the competitors and seeing what they would quote, what the process was. You know, it was even difficult, even just getting like calls back to get quotes Um, And then we would tell them, like, you know, we're not directly in Toronto, we're out in Oakville. And they're like, oh, we don't want your business pretty much. So we started to just see like a lot of issues. And then that kind of sparked, you know, from our entrepreneurial type mindset, well, there's an opportunity here. Um, So, you know, pretty much like first year university, we started to plan it out how we would go about doing it. And then in the summer there, we just jumped outside, started knocking on doors really before we even knew how to clean barbecues. Mm -hmm. Um, Started selling it based off of kind of what we knew about the service already. And just like our first day going out, we went out for about like an hour and we got five sales. Um, keep in mind, we were charging, charging like very low prices, just to kind of test it out. So people were like, yeah. oh, 60 bucks. Yeah, for sure. Come by. Um, but we use that kind of just as like our, just to confirm that people would actually pay for this and then figure out kind of how to even do the service.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, 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 okay. So you, the summer of your grade 12 year, you have this experience, Your, you you know, your parents... See this? You see a market opportunity. You start calling around. You see that it's an underserved market, right? And that one of the things that I think a lot of people don't see is is that is that it's they you know they talk about scratching your own itch. It's like oh, I was looking for something. There's nothing here. And 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 then okay, hey, and and by the way, that's that's what happened to me. That's how we we met. Uh, but anyhow, we'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> but but so. So when you talk about we, I know you had a a, a, a partner early in your business and I'm sure you're still buddies, et cetera, but, but, you know, talk about the decision to do it in partnership early. Was it really well thought of, you know, that sort of thing, you know, the working in partnership versus doing it on your own. Cause that's yeah. something that comes up a lot for entrepreneurs.
1: When you're like kind of starting out, especially like super early on, I think it's super valuable to have a partner, someone you can, you can bounce ideas off of. Um, And like really, like when we started this business, like we lived together, we did everything together. And it really helped establish the entire kind of like ideology behind the business and the like foundation of the business. Um, If I did it on my own, there's no way we would have kind of been where we are now. Right. Um, So I think it's super valuable to have, whether it's a business partner or like a mentor or someone that you can kind of bounce ideas off of, get feedback from you know, and, and even like sharing the responsibilities, like having someone else there who can, now you go do like these things, I'll go do these things. And like, ideally you're both kind of good at different things. So Mm -hmm. it really makes it a lot easier in terms of just like developing everything. Cause when you're doing everything on your own, it's, it's obviously
0: a ton of work, right? It's, it's a ton of work. And usually there's a skill set difference when there's two people somebody is just better at that area someone's better at that area and and that that gets that's that gets created so 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 first of all I know I haven't asked about your partnership before but I know I can ask more because you said it went well so so that's great so uh so and again that's something you can talk about publicly so so let's talk about you know what happened early how did you support each other how did you hold each other accountable maybe also some challenges and i know it worked out well so some challenges just for some some our leaders listening okay what 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 were some of the keys so that michael says it worked well right and 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 you're still buddies so 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 let's walk us through that
1: yeah for sure well i mean it's always kind of like especially since it was our first business we all honestly didn't really know like what we were really good at we knew what we were interested in so yes. it was kind of like doing everything together. And then slowly, like year by year, we would say, okay, you're better at the finance. You're better at doing the sales, running the sales team, right? So we kind of figured out what our roles kind of were. There was still okay. a lot of overlap because we're both interested in like the marketing and obviously like the fun things behind the business. Um, right. We also kind of split apart and like just kind of divvied up the roles and responsibilities, um, which obviously had a ton of value doing that. And uh, and yeah, I mean, things worked out pretty well while we were going, um, you know, together. We faced a ton of challenges. Obviously, um, when you're working with someone else, we are 50 50 partners, right? So, um, whenever there's a difference of opinions, it's always difficult to kind of figure out what the way forward would be. Um, Yes, in a lot of cases, is good because you have strong debates and you get to really flush out whether the ideas are good, and you have to, um, you know, convince the other person based on the strengths of your argument, and then he's doing the opposite, or you know, then you know, communicating his point. Which is really good to come up with like kind of the best solution. But when you are like a newer business and you're trying to move quickly and make decisions, it it can be a roadblock and a challenge. Um, so that was probably our biggest challenge, just being able to move quickly and make decisions. and and that's really like what led me to want to kind of do it on my own is um, just having that ability to just kind of make decisions quickly, implement and go forward without having to like really win it over with the business partner and then come together and make sure we have you know aligned visions and aligned. Um, ways of where we want to take mm-hmm. the vision. It's usually like, you know, you're pretty much aligned, but you know, he might be a little yeah. bit this way and a little bit that way. So it's always kind of, I mean, there was a lot of time where we were spending just, you know, communicating with each other, making sure we were aligned, convincing each other of, you know, our own kind of visions of where we want to take it. Um, so, I mean, like I said, early on, it's super important because you get to learn a lot. You get to learn a lot about yourself, about your business yeah. partner. You get to really, um, you know, become a better entrepreneur, I think, when you have that other person, because like I said, you're always kind of convincing them of your points, and you're having yes. to, you know, kind of argue your ideas. And then a lot of the times you're like, you know what, yeah, my idea was, it was bad. And you kind of discover that yes. and other yep. ways, you're like, you know, your, your idea, maybe it started out this way, but going through that process, it's actually becoming better. And you're building it, because you're having to go through and convince the other person of how great it is. So yeah. you're slowly kind of like working on it as well. So there's a lot of good and then a lot of challenges I'd say with it, but early on, I think it's a good way to go, especially for people who aren't, um, you know, really self-motivated and obviously you need to be to an extent. Um, but even if you're like, you know, unless you're like super self-motivated and you're like hundred percent confident, you could just do this by yourself. It's a good thing to have for sure to have a partner, yeah. or at least someone that you can work with. And- to some extent. Yeah.
0: No. And I love, I love as well. Like one of the other things is, is when you're starting this, you guys um, you know, I imagine we're starting it and then also cleaning the barbecues together and then, Oh, let's go find some more jobs. So, so it's, there's, you, you know, so, so, and then um, and we'll talk about when he left, but then there's this whole other group of people who you get to work with and, and help uh, hone your decision-making and that 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 ultimately I know in, in our business, you know, there we we have we have a bunch of structures and processes. We have weekly meetings, we have off, you know, we have office meetings you know, senior offsites, um, you know, different retreats, et cetera. So there's different ways that that decisions go up, decisions get sort of debated or you know, or processed, or what do you think? And again, trying to find not what's right, but what's the best decision for the business, and then Ultimately, though, there is a reason why there's a CEO. There's, it really works well when there's one decision maker. You know, and I guess, you know, I'm not the one decision maker in my business. I'm the head coach, but my wife I- I- and my partner is the CEO. And so she has final decision because what we found was, was as a partnership, um, and I actually own more shares in the business because I originally bought the business. She owns less shares because she, you know, we kind of... Um, that's how we structured it earlier. She wasn't involved. It was sort of, uh, you know, family planning stuff is why we did it. But it's like, ultimately, we spent a lot of time, quote unquote, you know, I know, debating decisions instead of, okay, ultimately, let's create a process. Here's what I think. Here's what other people think. You get to decide so that we don't fight or disagree and that there's just one point of, of, of decision, you know, and, and I think there's something to that, isn't there?
1: 100%. Because, like, even like, you know, especially once you start to have employees, like, they need to follow one vision. They can't have, um, you know, yeah. 50, 50 partners saying one thing and a 50 50 partner saying another thing. Everyone needs to be aligned. And, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's uh, it's a lot easier when you have one decision maker who is like, yeah, understanding all the points. And you need someone who can really listen to everyone and then, yes, and say, this is the way we're going to go forward. Um, mm. For sure.
0: I guess. Yeah. And, you know, like, and, it's, and in some ways as well, Mike, I can see, You know, it probably helped you as well, because I can tell you're very strong willed and stubborn and assertive, which are great skill sets to have and potential vices, potential problems. Right. (laughs) You know, so but by having your partner for, for a number of years, it's like, oh, I've learned how to communicate and bash things back and forth and work things out and be challenged. And then all of a sudden, you've got a team that now can challenge you. And I can tell just how you're talking; they do, which is good. And like you said, you listen, you get feedback, you, and then and then ultimately someone has to decide decide which way to go.
1: Exactly. And like right now, I feel like it, the business is just like the, it's just working so much better with mm-hmm. that structure because you know I have a really good like management team and guys under me who will give me yeah, like you said, honest feedback. will debate things, but then yeah. at the end of the day, I, I can listen to everyone and then I get to make the decision. So yes. you know, things get decided very quickly. We can implement very quickly. Yes. Um, and that's, I mean, especially when you're a seasonal business, like, I mean, we both are, you have yeah. to be able to do that, right? Because uh, yes, you only yeah. have so much season to make revenue. So you got you to really maximize it as much as possible.
0: Absolutely. So, okay, let's go back. So we're cleaning some, we're cleaning some barbecues. We're charging 60 bucks. I know the price has gone up a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got charged a lot more everyone and it's okay. It's okay. The, the, the barbecues are sparkling. So, uh, so it's, it's, so, so let's walk through, you know, why don't you walk us through the first few years of doing this and, and what your, what your steps were what the processes were, et cetera.
1: Yeah, for sure. So like, like I said, kind of the first year we went out and started doing door knocking and that pretty much carried us throughout the summer. You know, we would go out throughout the day, we would do the jobs. And then at night we would go and we would knock on doors. Um, not the most sustainable way to spend your summer because we would be working for eight hours and then knocking yeah. probably two or three until dark. Um, yeah. so, you know, it was 12 hour days and it definitely took a toll. But when you're young, you know, we were first university. So we would have been like 18, 19 years old. We had okay. the energy to do it. Um, and then the next year. Um, and so just know, can I can I
0: ask yeah. revenue profit numbers? How so, successful were you?
1: Yeah, so our first year we did about three hundred customers, which kind of ran out just around like thirty thousand in revenue, and it was just the two of us. So good, so Uh,
0: good, so and not a lot of costs. So a very successful first year venture as a university student.
1: Yeah, since we were doing it ourselves, yeah, we weren't employing anyone, so we our costs were pretty much just supplies we'd pick up at Canadian Tire, and then mileage which we were writing off. So it. Yeah, it was a pretty like it was a good summer gig, just going out door knocking. Yeah. We obviously ended up raising our prices, so we went originally at sixty, then we went to eighty, then a hundred, then like one twenty. So yes. it ended around a hundred by the end of the first summer. Okay, um, found that was like a good sweet spot where we were still a lot below the competition, and you know we could door knock, and people would typically would go say so yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so so
0: year year between year one and year two, what did you see as the opportunities for your business to go to the next level?
1: So the biggest thing that we had in year one was just figuring out the process, figuring out, you know, the business. And we spent a lot of time together on the job. So we were always talking about ideas and then kind of like the biggest opportunity was like, okay, well, how can we scale this? Um, Mm -hmm. That's really what we were looking to do. Um, you know, we're pretty ambitious guys. Like it was like, you know, there's two of us doing this right now. We're doing all the work. How do we employ people and scale this business? Um, so really what was super fundamental for us was we actually got accepted into, um, the hub incubator program, uh, awesome. at the University of Guelph, and they, at the time had pretty good funding, they gave us about $10,000 and like a full semester of mentorship. And there was about six other businesses in the, the same kind of program. Um, So it was like you know weekly meetings. We would go in, we would talk about our business, and each week we'd focus on a different component of it. So we really spent a ton of time in the off season just planning and developing and figuring out like how we were gonna pretty much make this a business because it was just two guys doing you know work, people, working hard exactly. Okay. How we gonna make this a business? And uh, we put together a ton of stuff, right? And then so that next year, you know, we hired teams. Um, We we had a lot of things that we figured out, um, and we did I think about. We did seven hundred jobs and more than doubled revenue. So we did about a hundred thousand in revenue that second year.
0: Okay, and did the profits go up? Did they stay the same? I know you had more expenses. We had more expenses. We still had a pretty because we were running it really locally, so we were still like local and
1: keeping it really local. So it was it was relatively still profitable. So yeah, we we had a pretty we had a good year. We had another good Good, year. Good um, year. And raised revenue and and got to kind of like the next level where we had I think we have maybe three teams.
0: Okay. Okay. Great.
1: Um, and at the time too, like, you know, we were hiring pretty young guys, so we were actually driving them ourselves. So okay, nah, there's a team, yeah, I would take a team and then we had one other guy who was a driver. So he would like, you know, they would drive. Um, and so we would just drop, drop them off. We would, uh, you know, go on our laptops at Starbucks, you know, yeah. handle the customer stuff, you know, sales and, and that kind of thing, and then go pick them up. So we were also kind of like, a little bit involved in the operation like we would do quality control very easily walking into the yes. backyard we we're also kind of pushing the pace and making sure things were efficient which is really good and we started to move away from door to door that year um we actually discovered this great thing called digital advertising and yes started using google adwords and at the time there was no no one paying for the like barbecue cleaning adwords there was no, none of the competitors were doing it so we, we got a steal of the deal everything we were bidding on was pretty much unmatched, so we had really low costs of the acquisition. And we're like, wow, we don't have to go door to door anymore. We can get, you know, a yep. hundred leads a week just using <clears throat> online advertising. So.
0: And fantastic. I know there was a, there was a point of time uh, where, where we were at that, um, shout out uh, Trevor Shentag, uh, four bucks a lead uh, on, on Facebook for painting estimates up in, uh, up in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, and, and, it, you know, it was actually years ago, because you know, the painting market's obviously more competitive, more more competitors and you it, it sort of got bit, bit up but it was really you know fascinating to sort of see you know uh, again, Google AdWords and all those different types of things really take off. But one of the things I wanted to point out is is tell us more about the the hub program, the incubator program. I know we've had a number of our alumni do those types of programs and actually being involved as leaders in them. Tell us more like what what types of things did they get you working on in, in your business?
1: Yeah, so they kind of taught us like the you know business model canvas, value proposition, you know like we focused a lot on on those things and just working through the business model canvas. So like you know each week we would focus on a different component of that and really just mm. building out like the business model. Okay. Um, and I mean probably the most value we got from it was being in there with other businesses and every business in there was from a different kind of like industry and they do that on purpose so it's like yes it's not really competing and it's you get to just kind of see things from completely different perspectives. Um, And so what we had was each week, everyone would have to present and show their updated business model canvas, talk about what they worked on that week. Um, So just the accountability of it, um, where it's like, if you go up in front of, you know, the group of whatever, 15 people, and you have to pretty much say you did nothing that week, you're going to look like a bit of a fool. So it really pushed us to like, you know, make a ton of progress. Um, And then it was just also great to get feedback from a bunch of different, like really awesome businesses. And, you know, people had great ideas that we implemented and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really cool program. And then obviously the funding, they gave us about 10 grand at the time. That was like a huge portion of, of, of our for record. Sure. Yes. So it was great. We got to throw that right into like developing for the next year and that definitely helped okay. a tremendous amount at the time.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Okay. So, so year one, $30,000, you know, profitable business year, year two, hundred thousand dollars, more profitable business, developing more systems coming out of year two. Uh, you know, what were you thinking? What were you looking to create for year three?
1: Yeah, so year three, um, we kind of came up with a new business model we wanted to test out. Um, We wanted to kind of move away from the employee model and move into independent contractors. um, Okay. I guess it was kind of like, you know, we wanted to develop more of like an Uber for barbecue cleaning type (laughs) business model where, you know, they would get a percentage instead of, um, you know, paying everyone as employees. So we came up with the model where you know we would keep fifty percent, they would get fifty percent, and we would run kind of like the sales, the marketing, the operations so almost like kind of like a franchise type model, but with independent guys, and then we would allow them to build their own teams under them, so they yes. get that fifty percent, they could hire and and they would like for the fifty percent they would take care of all their costs in terms of like supplies, labor, everything yeah. um, and then we were going to market it kind of like you know as a student works type model where you know, you build your business and you find the right people and you do it that way. Um, and that didn't work very well at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <That didn't
0: work. laughs> and so, so I love it. I love it. So, so what, you know, and again, right, you know, we we've had Brian Scudamore on this project on the, on this uh, podcast. And I, and I know, I know he's a, he's a uh, you know, someone who you look up to, one eight hundred gotcha CEO, and and just just amazing Canadian entrepreneur, just an incredible guy. And you know, willing to fail is something that all leaders need to be, all entrepreneurs need to be, willing to fail. And and okay, that didn't work. I got mean, so many things that didn't work. So what didn't you work? Because 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 remember, if it's just failure and it didn't work, and we moan and complain. Well, we don't get anything out of it, but if we go and say, here's what we learned and here's why it didn't work. And this is now how we're going to refocus. So what do you, and I know you already did that, Michael. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean,
1: what really like, you know, obviously we just did, we weren't prepared for all the challenges that would come with that kind of business model. Yes. Um, Losing a ton of control and quality was like probably one of the biggest things. And at the time, like we weren't super great with the financial budgeting and everything like that. Um, so we kind of just spent what we need to make it work. Um, so we ended up, that was our first year that we actually lost money. Um, obviously a huge hit to our confidence and everything, because, you know, we're putting 80 hours a week and working super hard and to come out of it and be like, now we're actually putting our savings into the business to keep it going. was super difficult. Um, but yeah, like there was just so much stuff that kind of came up that we weren't really ready for giving all that control to people. We were hoping, you know, they would grow their teams to this much. But they actually grew their teams very limitedly, or some of them would just yes. not grow their teams at all. Yeah. Um, we didn't find the right people for that model. We had maybe a couple of them who might have been the right people, but the majority weren't. Um, so we kind of missed all of our projections that year and overspent. Yeah. And yeah. So the next year, we, we obviously learned from that. Um, it, was a, it was a big kind of wake up call. And, we, uh, we kind of took the business in a completely other direction we moved back to the employment uh, kind of model and but implemented a lot of the same sort of ideas behind you know decentralization because um, obviously second year we we're driving people around third year we went a little too far in the decentralized you yeah. know way and gave a little bit too much away and then the fourth year um, we decided to kind of implement the employee model, sorry the employee model. But yeah, we still gave a lot of autonomy as well. So the guys would go and pick up their own supplies and they would, we had a system where they would expense it. They would use yes. their vehicles and we would expense through mileage, right? Yes. So we handled it as an, as an employee model, but gave a lot of autonomy to the teams. And we found that that worked super well. Um, another thing we kind of rolled out that year was we really incentivized or kind of promoted that people can do this with their friends. Um, since it's a kind of like a two person job, people would work with their buddy and it ended up being a really cool experience for them throughout the summer because you're pretty much just hanging out in people's backyards on a nice summer day, doing yeah. your work, listening to your podcasts and throwing on music, um, getting through the day pretty quick when you're just kind of shooting the shit with your buddy, but also working hard and getting paid well and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. We found that it was a better experience for the employees when we kind of took that model and did that one. And then it was also profitable for us as well. So, okay, great. So, so a lot better and
0: do a lot of more budgeting and that kind of thing. So 2019, what did your sales go to in 2019?
1: 2019, we were at about, so we went from, um, so if we want to go back, so we did 100,000 in the second year. The third year, we did um, 180. Okay. Uh, not profitable. And then 2019, we did about 360.
0: Okay, double doubled the business and and much more profitable. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But that
1: we pay ourselves money. Yes, year, right. We drove salaries and we're profitable at the end of the year. So.
0: Okay, okay. And so, so where were you in school 2019?
1: That would have were been you still finishing. That would have been our fourth year, but we were so we were in co op programs. so we had five years.
0: OK, so you're still you're still in school w- while running a three hundred and sixty thousand dollar business. Yes. Yeah. OK, great. And it's and really as well, like, um, you know, finding friends who want to work together is a huge thing. You know, I know that's one thing we do in our businesses when our when our local operators find somebody who's good. Hey, see if they know someone go work together. And, and that's just so great. You know, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. You know, now, did the, did those people market for you? Did they also do part of the canvassing or did you just feel no with, with the way it was so easy to get work online or leads online? We didn't need to.
1: They did. Yeah. We had, uh, at the time we had them like, you know, we would set them up with lawn signs and flyers and we would have them kind of throw flyers around neighborhoods when they were in nice areas and putting up lawn signs and that kind of thing. Um, we didn't really do any like door-to-door sales. We,
0: you know, we really focused on that in the first year, but Yeah we kind of just didn't feel it was necessary, you know, cause remember one yeah. of the, one of the, one of the great things, Michael, is every time we say, focus on this, we also need to remember to say, we're not focusing on these six. Cause you only have so many hours of focus, exactly. right? It's, it's, it's a lot of times. And again, I found myself as a young entrepreneur regularly saying, and we'll focus on this and then we'll focus on this. And then, you know, and then really you're saying yeah. you're not focused on anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, we had them doing some stuff and, um, we kind of like after that year, I kind of, we kind of like moved away from it even more because okay. I found that it was pretty expensive to have people going out, like paying them hourly to go out and do flyers, paying yeah. them do, like these like m- local marketing type things where we can get a better like ROI from digital advertising or radio and like, other things that we've done. So.
0: Okay. Okay. And so, uh, so we've got, uh, we've got, um, a bunch of workers working successfully in the business. So how does, what's the sales process, Michael? Is that just over the phone, not necessary to see people? Is that is that always yeah. how it's been at that point in the business?
1: Yeah. So it's all over the phone. Um, uh, at one point in time, we actually developed our own kind of app. We hired developers in India to do like an online booking thing um, and went through that process, which was very interesting and very expensive. But Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I want to bring that back eventually. Um, but right now what we do is, you know, you give us a call or you fill out a form on the website and we have a sales team who would call, you know, customer back, get them a quote, get them booked into our schedule, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. So same, same as, same as it went through me. So it's, you call, someone calls you, they respond. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, texting and process you can see that's been built in. When did that get built in? When did you build, build that, uh, you know, sales process? So that was the,
1: like the next year. So year five, Okay. Was, that's when things really, so I ended up, I bought my business partner out at the end of the fourth year and then okay. year, um, yeah, I, I, kind of, you know, implemented a field service management software and we we put a lot of, you know, put a lot, a lot of time into like really. Put, put like bring the business into the direction I saw it could go, um and uh building a sales team, we had I think five people who were just doing sales and then like a head of operations and so building out the team, starting to develop that you know that team who can really manage and and do all that sort of stuff because originally it was really just me and my business partner doing all that right um, so so yeah, that was really like the fifth year is when I'm like, you know what let's let's scale this even more, move into new areas. Um, increase revenue and be profitable. Uh,
0: okay. One thing I think we 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 jumped over though. I was just looking is 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 we jumped over Dragon's Den. So yes, I guess in, yes. in so so yeah so 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 don't worry we won't miss that. So so I yes. guess in so why don't you walk through? Uh, so hold on let's let's complete 2020. So you you fil- you, you bought your uh, your partner out. Uh, you 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 grew the business more systemized in sales more staffing. What were the sales there?
1: Was it just over five hundred? So five hundred awesome.
0: and fifty thousand. Five hundred and fifty
1: thousand. Awesome. And more profitable than any other year.
0: Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So 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 good. A good uh, a good arrangement with your partner. Um, so 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 tell us about Dragons Den. Like you know, obviously you you, you watch it. You know of it. You know what yep. young entrepreneur? Or what entrepreneur doesn't know about Dragons Den, etc. In Canada or, or Shark Tank? So 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 did you reach out? What 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 was what? How did that process go?
1: Yeah, for sure. So for that, we'll have to go all the way back to twenty eighteen. Yes. But yeah, we uh, honestly like we were just kind of you know normal day, and uh, my business partner got a call on his cell phone, and it was one of the producers, and they they actually called us up, and they were just you know I guess one of the producers got uh, our service and like heard about us or whatever. So. Like, you know, back in the day, it was just personal cell phones that we're using for, to do all the sales and everything yep. and the marketing. Um, so you call them on a cell phone and they kind of just expressed, they wanted us to come out. Um, the, the audition was at this date and they were, you know, expressing interest. Um, and we kind of talked about it. I didn't think we were ready like at the time. Cause again, this was like when we were really new business model and yeah, it's still really just figuring out what the business was going to be and, um, and that sort of thing. So I thought we were a little bit early, but we are like, you know what, this is a great opportunity. Yeah went back and forth. We decided, you know, no, let's wait maybe a year or something. Um, So we missed out on that audition. And then they actually called us back and said, you know what, like, why'd you guys miss the audition? We have one last one. We really want you guys on the show, like come out. So we drove down to Niagara to catch the last one and pitched in front of the producers. Um, And, uh, you know, it went pretty well. We didn't actually like get a spot on the show, but they put us on like the wait list. So like, I guess it would have been like maybe like two or three months later, we get another call and they're like, you know, someone just dropped out. Um, can you guys come on and, and be on Dragon's Den? It's in like, right. it's in, like two days. Awesome. And we're like, okay, like, you know, yeah, for sure. Like, we're obviously going to take that opportunity. Um, but it was a little bit difficult because it was like the first day of training. So we had like, you know, training booked with all of our guys, jobs booked. And oh, wow. We had a manager who could like take that over. so. We kind of had to do a lot of like shuffling and rescheduling, um, and obviously we have two days notice to come up with a pitch and figure out what we're going to say, what we're going to wow. bring, you know, all of the props and everything. So, um, yeah, and this, I mean, stuff like this kind of happened a lot when we were starting out. Like, just like we would always just jump on opportunities last minute and take advantage of it. So it was it was pretty interesting. But no, we ended up you know calling a customer, getting her to like um, let us clean her barbecue and bring it in a U-Haul to CBC Studio and and use it as a prop and. Um, so we did all this kind of like in, in a couple of days and, and organized what we're going to bring. And then we figured out our pitch, honestly, like on the drive over, like what we're going to say. And, you know, obviously we knew our numbers and knew our stuff because we've been doing it, but, uh, yeah. right now it was super interesting. And then we obviously, we got there and we kind of asked like could we go last? Cause we need to prepare a bit more and figure it out. <laughs> super nervous. Obviously we watched the show since we were like children. So we didn't want to, yeah. we didn't want to screw up. Right. Um, but, but no, it ended up being really good and we got to deal with Jim on the show and yeah, we had a pretty good, pretty good episode. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's one of those things where you know it it can't go wrong, you know, unless you're totally not you know managing yourself, just because you know you're a sensible guy. And and I think they're going to always give you the benefit of the doubt. Here's here's two young people because your partner was there as well. Here's two young people looking to looking to do something that they admire because they admire entrepreneurship. They 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 probably even admire more young entrepreneurship. So 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 that's that's exciting. And now. It's something that you've got on your your LinkedIn, you've got on your website, I'm sure, and and as seen on, you know, on, on Dragon's Den, you know, so, so yeah.
1: Yeah, it added a ton of just like credibility you know, credibility to the business, right? Um, especially like in our market where we're competing with, you know, Joe's Barbecue Cleaning Service and Mark down the street and that kind of thing, having like, you know, we were on Dragon's Den, it just, you know, yeah, let's go yeah. With the Dragon's Den business, right? It just... They don't even think twice about it. They're like, yeah, credibility, go with these guys, right? So exactly. Uh, it's helped out a lot for sure. And then yeah. employees, you know, they watch the episode, they're interested about you know entrepreneurship. They see we went on the show. They're a little bit more interested now and they're gonna apply and that kind of thing.
0: So exactly, exactly. And I and I know you I, I know uh, you end up not doing the in, in the end, you didn't end up doing a deal. Is that something we want to talk about here? Is that okay to talk about here? Yeah, I know yeah, I, I thought I thought it was what you'd had to share. So why don't you share about that? Obviously, you wanted to do a deal with Jim, just yeah. so everyone knows, Jim, Jim's the, the, the CEO of Boston Pizza and founder of Boston Pizza, like one of the most successful franchise doors in Canada ever. So as if, as if we wouldn't want to work with you know, Jim and have him uh, as a partner, so, so but tell us more.
1: Yeah. So especially because we were kind of like thinking about franchising and that was something always in the back of our minds for like, you know what, like we, even before the show, we're like, we want to get a deal with Jim. Like we yeah. really want to get a deal with Jim. You know, we went into franchising going To be awesome, we'll be able to figure everything out. You know, he'll help yep. us with everything, and you know, he'll kind of teach us the ropes and everything like that. So, we were super pumped. We went on the show, we asked for 50,000 for 10%. And you know, after whatever 10 minutes, Jim just stands up and says, I'll give you exactly what you guys came for. Um, and so we're like, Yes, we took the deal before <laughs> even hearing any of the other dragons because we were so <laughs> excited. And I'm like, That is literally what we said we wanted to come for. Um, <laughs> looking back, we probably should have heard out some of the other dragons. Um, there were some pretty cool panelists obviously on there and, but no, it was pretty funny that we just jumped at it anyways. Um, yeah, kind of what happened was after, you know, we got the deal on the show, um, we started kind of learning a little bit more about, you know, what would, what it would actually look like in our minds. We thought, you know, we'd have Jimmy's phone number. We can just call him up and ask him questions and go for lunch and be super involved and that kind of thing. Um, which was pretty naive now looking back, obviously the guy's, um, done a lot and has a lot of responsibilities and is involved in a ton of stuff. Yes. Uh, but pretty much what they told us is like, you know, you're not really working with Jim at all. Um, yes. Like a lunch with them, maybe once a year or something like that. But, you know, he has a team that handles all of his investments. And, you know, we started looking into it and talking to them and it started to look a little bit different than what we were kind of envisioning. You know, we yeah. kind of need someone who is more of like an angel investor type person who can uh, yes. have more regular meetings and mentorship and that kind of thing. Because again, we're like, third year university students doing this on our own, we needed someone a little bit more involved who was an entrepreneur. Um, so we kind of decided to, to move away from it at that point.
0: Yeah, no, I can totally see that. And again, you, like you said, you know, Jim traveling, how many businesses is he likely involved with and how much, you know, uh, and, you know, so, so many, so many things. So you could just imagine that he needs a team of people to support him, right? So, So you totally get it. It makes so,
1: more sense after we figured it out, but like before yeah. we had this like dream, we just <laughs> you know, hanging out with them and just asking them questions and stuff. But yeah.
0: but <laughs> Well, that's, no, that's, that's great. And it's such, it's such a fun story. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and that's great. So, so 2020, we have a really great year, $550,000 for the business. Um, you know, you know, I guess, I guess that was the, the also the year of the pandemic. So, so I guess, you just rolled right through the pandemic. You didn't find that that was an impact on your business or was it a positive impact or could you tell, or.
1: It was positive for sure. Um, okay. We had, so typically how our business would work in the past is we would always kind of have like a slower August. Um, you know, people would go on vacation, different things would happen. Um, we would be really, really busy in like April and May, and then it would slow down. But yeah, our pandemic here, 2020, like, our problem wasn't getting sales, it was yeah. actually finding the employees to do them. Like we probably yes. could have done upwards of seven hundred thousand in revenue yeah. if we had the staff. Like this is our first year that we ran out of bookings and we ran out in like July. Like yes. it was like close to the end of the summer. And it's yes. just like we had to turn down business or try and book people into twenty twenty one because yes. You know, we had no availability. Um, we even had to end up canceling some jobs at the end of the season, which always yeah. hate to pushing them to the next year. Just because yeah. no, no, we didn't have enough people to do them. Um, yeah. So yeah, it definitely helped. Obviously, people staying at home, spending less money on you know other things. People were spending kind of more money on their homes and that kind of thing. Yes. So yeah. we saw like a huge just natural demand spike, um, yeah. which was yeah. super helpful.
0: Yeah. Totally, totally. And and I know for us, we always, um, you know, or or largely, you know, we start to run up to the capacity that we actually can produce in July, you know. Uh, so, so it's, 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 uh, um, you know, we're really, really good in sales. And then it's like how much and that year specifically, and then this past year, again, specifically so challenging to get the teams of people to do all the incredible amount of work that we booked. So, so I totally, totally hear you. And, um, and so, so going from 2020. So we had, we, we've, we've got, we've got COVID you're running digitally. People are going into the backyard. So it's really not that challenging. I know you had our place and, and, um, you know, we were looking to, you know, be really, uh, COVID, uh, friendly. M- Michael wanted to come and meet with me, uh, and just, you know, get to know each other and, 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 and develop relationships. So, so, and, uh, and so it was like, oh, we, we talked through the screen door with masks, you know, and then we said, okay, let's set up a Zoom call just so we could be, uh, you know, quote unquote, responsible. But, um, but, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so what, were you, what were you working on, you know, for 2021? What was the next sort of step?
1: So, yeah, so 2020, um, yeah, we had another great year. And that was kind of, so moving into 2021 is when I started to look into franchising more seriously. Okay. Uh, really started to kind of think about that as like a future avenue. Um, you know, the business continue to grow. We're continuing to see like higher and higher numbers, and demand is going crazy. Honestly, so yeah, um, that's when I really started to think about franchising and saying, you know what, this could be a huge business across all different markets in North America. Right. Uh, and franchising, you know, I, I started to kind of read books and and really started to dig into it, and kind of made the decision that that's something I wanted to start to to spend time figuring out. Um, so yeah, after kind of our 2021, sorry, our 2020 season, that's really where I started to spend a lot of my time just figuring out franchising, learning about franchising, setting up calls with people that were in my network or, you know, on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. And I had a call with Brian Scudamore and, um, a couple other people who have run successful franchises, just starting to learn from those kind of people and reaching out and that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then just kind of building up and and seeing what we can really push the envelope in terms of like you know, 2021, want to have another profitable season, invest those profits into a franchising program, um, establish a really strong management team, you know, who aren't just seasonal, but full-time who could, um, you know, kind of help manage the franchising once we go that route. Um, so really putting all those things in place and making sure that our business is really systemized and we have the systems and processes we're going to need to scale using a franchising model. Um, so
0: so actually, two so two thousand twenty one I know you're not quite done we are we are uh, taping this or recording this we don't tape anymore we record um, october twenty first two thousand twenty one so how's how does this year look like it's gonna finish
1: yeah, so another really really strong year um we're looking at one point two million Fantastic. in revenue um and really strong profit um which is really good. And like I said, like we, now we're now having, this is our first year where we have full-time employees, Okay, um, which it's always kind of just been me. And now we have three other, you know, guys who are going to be working throughout the off season as
0: well. And what what are their roles? So we can understand how, what, what's the structure that you have so set so up?
1: One of them is a sales and marketing manager yeah. uh, who graduated um, like at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And then we have a general manager, and then a regional manager who operates our Ottawa brand our, our Ottawa
0: operation. Region. Okay. Region. Okay. So, so, and, and so right now are you outsourcing your accounting and finance? How do you manage that?
1: Yeah, we have a, like a bookkeeping team that we outsource all of our bookkeeping to and awesome. then we have an accountant that does our year end. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it's all pretty organized and you know, we have QuickBooks online so I can go on there and see what's going on at any time. And,
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, that's that's so exciting, and I know I know before the before our podcast, we were talking about you know uh, you know uh, building towards franchising, and and you know one of the things you know really I guess we are not a franchise, but really we're a franchise. We we just don't uh, fall under the laws of Ontario of being a franchise. Uh, so so uh, um, you know because we're a student based business, but but you know the most important thing about a franchise in my mind is having those starting franchises being successful because the way the way franchising works is um, you uh well first of all it's by law you need to share the franchising information of of your past successful past franchises not successful any pr- franchises so you need to share all that so that basically that one franchise becomes the you know the 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 promoter or not of your yeah. entire business I know Michael Bregman of uh, he created second cup or bought second cup he started muffins, which is an old brand but but a very successful brand in the eighties and I remember him telling me that that you know he had one franchise and it started in Eglinton subway station and he said that person basically made him a millionaire you know he just said because he every time people just go go call you know and they'd call and you just say, oh, no, here, it's changed my life, and the systems are fantastic, and I'm making all this money, and la, 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 la. So it's having those successful people is so important.
1: Yeah, and like, like I said, like, as I've been digging in and learning about it, that's what I've heard time and time again. Yeah. Um, and that's why I want to make sure like I'm investing a lot of time figuring it out before jumping into it, because I mm-hmm. want to make sure that the right support is in place, that these people that buy in can actually be successful. Um, And even if they aren't successful, that there's nothing bad that they could say about us that we didn't support them properly. Um, It's like my number one thing is making sure I build the right team. I build the right process systems and we have the right support for anyone who comes on as a franchisee. um, So that, you know, and then obviously making sure we find the right people so that they are successful. Because, yeah, time and time again, it's like if the first couple are successful, they're going to be huge promoters. And whenever you have a prospect, they're going to call them up. They're going to yeah. help great things, and then the business is just going to grow like crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's happened with one eight hundred. Got drunk, right? They had a yeah. really good first franchisee, and he acted as that for them. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. the recipe for success once you have that. So
0: yeah, and and because because ultimately, you know, uh, it's it's like a net promoter score. You know, your franchisees become the promoters of your business. Like this, this, you know, we have half of our business return every year, and then you know, of the hundred and twenty people return. We find eighty referrals, so it's eighty amazing people. It's like unbelievable, you know, uh, about just the, the the success, and it and it comes from successful people referring successful people. So it's it's you know, again, I commend uh, you know, keeping that bar really really high with that first uh, the that first couple recruits or whatever, um, you know, uh, and making sure that you've really got alignment with them around around values and commitment and stick toiveness and those types of things that really. Um, are going to see someone being successful. Um, So, so yeah. So obviously I'm a booster of the program. So, um, (laughs) so, so yeah. So, um, so, so, um, so I guess some of the questions that I asked, uh, you know, biggest failures or mistakes, I think we actually ran into the biggest failure or mistake, right? Sort of seeing that, that the model of a student model, why do you think a student model doesn't work as well as a, uh, you know, the full-time franchise model?
1: Well, I think it didn't work well for us because I think the biggest one, we didn't have the right people. Right. Uh, you know, we, we didn't spend enough time waiting people out and really finding the best people. And we weren't prepared for all the challenges that kind of came with it. Right. We right. kind of pushed over models and we're like, yeah, this will work the same pretty much yeah. using this yeah. system, like, really similar systems and that kind of thing. Um, so maybe it, if we stuck with that model and we really kind of worked it and figured it all out and, you know, we probably could have, you know, done it better and yeah. found the way for it to work. Um, but yeah, I think it's whenever you change your business model, you have to um, spend a lot of time and, and figure it out and make sure that you're going to do it right. And that's why, I mean, I think I've, having gone through that, that's why I'm spending so much time figuring out franchising before I jump into it.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: because I want to make sure when we do it, we do it right. And obviously, we're going to keep improving and learning and stuff as we launch, but yeah. I want to make sure we have that foundation in place before we go forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the things as well for me, it's, it's like, like my sense is, is there's not, there's not as many student models now. There's not as many student models because it doesn't make sense. Meaning why don't, why don't I create a full-time model where I have 12 months of revenue, right? And I have somebody who's fully vested, you know? So, so to me, it's like, we're a legacy brand that again, works really well, but again, I certainly wouldn't recreate it. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't start this business again. It's just so hard to get where we are. Um, and, uh, um, that's my, that's my thought is, is that, is that, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with the seasonality. It's like, well, great. We can, we can start working as soon as, as soon as people allow us to start booking, we can, we can start working. We can run right into the fall and not, not be impacted by, you know, schools, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's tough. The seasonal business is super tough, especially like Mm -hmm. we need to grow it to a certain level, like, especially where you guys are now, um, to, to be really successful, right? Like, starting it out is a, it's a grind because when you're only yes. able to make revenue for like six months, you really have to make sure you maximize those six months. Yes. Uh, and there's really no room for error because you screw up one of those months, you just lost all your profit for the year and there's no yes. getting back. You have to wait till next year. Right. So
0: yes, exactly. Uh,
1: it's a tough bit, especially like that's what we're looking into now as we start to bring on full-time people. Um, it's really tough. If we're only making revenue for six months and we have to pay salaries, um, you know, we have to really consider that. Um, and now we're starting to look into services that we can offer throughout the winter. Um, yes. To kind of level up the seasonality. Um, we're always going to have like stronger months probably in May and June when, when yeah. know, the season kicks off, but we're looking to, yeah, look into these other services that we can just, you know, bridge the gap where we can break even throughout the off season, yeah. sustain our, you know, our, our managers and stuff that we want to have full time, um, and allow us to just, you know, bring on more full-time people.
0: Yeah, no, I hear I hear you. And one of the other things as well is just just my my sense of I used to really regret running a seasonal business when I was your age and into my twenties and early 30s, saying, Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating, you know, and 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 um you know, oh, we only make money for four months. And but but while I was regretting it, I always Spent time reviewing the systems, improving the systems. Really, again, we spent an enormous amount of time recruiting really great people and then training and, and marketing and, and, and building a big backlog to start the season. And then, then it's really interesting now, decades into it, I go, oh, wow, we never would have been as big and as successful as we are without that seasonality. And now as well, it's, it's so difficult for other competitors to come and do what we're doing just because it was so difficult to get here. So, so in some ways it's kind of like, okay, this is good. And think about how you can do these other services while not messing up with really what's, what's great about Canadian barbecue boys.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. Cause I mean, the off season, I always say kind of like, we actually put like, I personally and like anyone else working in the off season knows we actually work harder in the off season than we do when we're operating from a management, from a development perspective. Because yeah, we go crazy trying to figure out new systems and processes, implementing new technology. Like, it is nice that like revenue shuts off, and then we can implement all this new stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we start it back up again. And there's yeah. no kind of like issues like with you know new implementations. We a lot of the times we have a lot of like new people joining, and so it's new training and it's yeah. retraining old people coming back and that kind of thing. Um, so it is super nice having that you know in the yes,
0: office. It's- It's kind of, it's kind of nice, you know, again, it's like, uh, you know, we see, um, you know, well, our pink company, they've retooled financially, their financial services a whole number of times. And, you know, and they're happy to say sometimes really not well, you know, like the company gets bought and then all of a sudden this new system comes in and it's like, oh my gosh. And they have no choice. They are running this enormous business year round, 365 days. So it's, it's, there's something to the ability to stop and it stops. So then we can reset, reboot, reboot a new year. Uh, with new systems. So yeah, no, it's it's pretty neat. Yeah. So, um, you know, if someone was considering venturing around into the entrepreneurial world, what advice would you give them?
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing, and I can kind of attest to it pretty well, is just like don't kind of look for that big idea. Try and uh, look at opportunities in current markets and just get started, especially if you're young, especially if you're a student. Um, it's really is like the best time to start a business. And you've probably heard that before. Everyone's probably yeah. heard that, but it is so true when you don't have any commitments, um, you know, financially, you, you know, you either have your parents or you're in yeah. school or whatever. Um, you can start a service business. You can start, there's really any business that you see an opportunity in and you can make enough money to kind of feed yourself. And, you know, it's the best time to start. You're not, you're not yeah. depending on, you know, no one's depending on you at that time. So, um, I would say, yeah, just get started. And, you know, just the first business you start might not be, it's definitely not going to be the last. So it's really just about jumping into something and you learn so much when you do it, um, no matter what business you start first. And then, you know, down the road, you're going to be running, you know, you're going to have so many more skills that can take you into the corporate world, into other businesses. Um, So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing.
0: And so, you know, as you went, you know, from, you know, Hey, you started this business, you know, you're running up, a thirty thousand dollar business. Now you're running a one point two million dollar business. You know, not not talking about the business because we talked about that already. What did you need to change about yourself?
1: So yeah, I mean it's super interesting because like every kind of level, like you have, like it requires a different me, pretty much. It requires yeah. a different person running it, right? So like thirty thousand, you know, it was all just about like effort, like just yeah. spending the hours, going, knocking on the doors, doing the sales. Um, and then, you know, even growing, it was like kind of like we were low level managers running small teams. Now we had over fifty employees this year. So it's like now I'm running a pretty big team. I have managers under me, so I'm yeah. you know, managing projects. and um, like so what what really has changed is like I really had to learn how to be a leader and a manager um and be effective in leading people who lead other people, right? So, yeah, uh, learning all of that has been a huge challenge. It's been super rewarding, though. and um, I'm still kind of just touching the tip of the iceberg, but I'm, uh, I'm loving every day. So,
0: yeah, I know lots, lots of
1: the business you have to change, right? Like, as you yeah. grow,
0: you know, you 100% do, uh, and, and it's, it's so, it's so fair, you know, really the business is ultimately restricted by you, right. Or your team, you know, cause ultimately as well, it's, 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 you know, uh, you're going to need people who have skill sets that you don't have to be the company that you want to be. And I'm, and I know that company that you want to be is, you know, tens of millions, right. You know, so, so I'm sure you see a vision for this business. Could it be a hundred million dollar business? You know? Yeah. Like if it can be this, why couldn't it be by through franchising, you know, you put this across North America or whatever, and you say, Hey, this is what the, this is what the model could look like. So, uh, but it's, 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 it's going to take a lot from you and going to take a lot from your team to, of course, get some someplace like that.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's why I just, I mean, when I keep pushing it every year, growing the team, like using the profits from the, the business to grow the team, build the franchise system, um, and scale.
0: Okay. And so, so what about habits? What, what, what key habits would, would someone want to steal from you?
1: Key habits. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the. Eh, I don't have a lot of great habits, I'll be honest with you, especially like okay. coming out of like starting the business. Um, you know, I used to be really into working out and that kind of stuff and like putting in 12 hour days. Anyone who actually does that know that like, you know, the good habits kind of go away pretty quickly, especially when <laughs> you're in a seasonal business and everything's on the line to make sure that things run smoothly for four months. Right. Um, but probably like the biggest thing is I've started to to like step back and really learn about. Um, my limitations. Um, mm-hmm. So, really, a habit I've worked on building is making sure I don't burn out every year. Um, right. Because as a seasonal business owner, it gets really crazy and hectic, you know, handling like so many different things. Um, so, understanding what my limitations are, um, maybe ratcheting back expectations at some points, um, and also relying on my team and, and kind of giving up control to them to have, like, you know, kind of relying on them to manage certain things. So, I'm not in every um, you know, aspect of the business and I don't have to extend myself too far. Um, so pretty much I've gone through like a pretty bad burnout, like some worse than others each year, but yes. now I'm really starting to learn and, and say, you know what, like I need to rely on my team. I need to understand my limitations and I need to build good habits to make sure that I'm able to bring my kind of a game every day um, yeah. and not have those like kind of bad days and and that kind of thing.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's great for our young people. You know, one of the things we really do, we have a a value, work hard, play hard, have fun. And so we get people, you know, who work hard in our business. They're very, very, you know, well, people don't last, you know, if they're not hard workers and then really work with them to not work so hard, you know, again, Hey, are you getting a break? Are you getting some workouts in you eating right? All those sorts of things. Cause like you said, then all of a sudden I start breaking down and you're the guy. So you yeah. you make bad decisions, or you're not you're not attuned to people's feelings, and and you know your EQ drops off because you're really tired, and then all of a sudden it's not a safe place to work, or not not safe, not a happy place yeah. to work, right? Yeah. And it just doesn't it doesn't work. So yeah, yeah, it's really great seeing that, and certainly I I would I have would have uh, been a, something that I I worked on as a young person as well, getting good 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 at that, managing my personal health.
1: It's hard to learn. I mean, especially like. Cause I, everyone kind of preaches, I mean, like work hard and stuff, right. Yes. So it's, it's hard to really learn what your limitations are and you kind of have to go through, you know, burning out or go through like that period, yeah. You work too hard and you're like, Oh, maybe, you know what I mean? But you, you gotta just learn to listen to your body and understand, you know, when it's time to to take a break and, um, understand that like, you know, there's nothing wrong with really listening to yourself and, and treating yourself properly. Uh, yeah. Long run and you- it's going to work out a lot better. So.
0: 100%. And, and you don't know what's too far until you get to too far. Exactly. Right. So you, so you get to too far. Oh, that's too far. Okay. Well, hold on. You know, we got to pull back from there. So, so, final question. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, Michael, what comes to mind?
1: Um, honestly, like just entrepreneurial. That doesn't mean that, you know, leaders need to start their own business. Um, but I think it's super important in like today's economy that everyone has kind of like an entrepreneurial toolbox where they're able to be innovative. Think of new ideas and under, like, kind of look at the world through the lens of an entrepreneur. Whether you're working for another company or working for yourself, um, so I think as a young person, it's super important to start building those skills. Um, a lot of people start pretty late in life or maybe don't don't build those skills at all. Um, so if you can get a huge head start and um, you know just start something when you're young, I think you'll be so far ahead, and and that's really the biggest thing that you can do to become a leader. I would
0: say. fantastic fantastic <laughs> well well michael i really appreciate your generosity on you know coming and uh and and joining the podcast i'll you know obviously be watching you know your your ongoing success and uh and really excited about what you're creating at canadian barbecue boys thank you appreciate okay. it thanks for joining you and we will be in touch soon take care awesome have a good one okay cheers bye-bye Bye, Chris.